Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column for the woman who desires to deepen and beautify her inner world. With every episode, I, along with frequent guests and experts, will answer a letter from listeners just like you who are looking for insight and wisdom on the most pressing questions in their story right now. Make sure to stick around until the end for recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. I'm so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower, a podcast for the woman with a deep inner world. I'm your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest. Joy Clarkson is an author, scholar, and beloved online presence. She has a doctorate in theology, imagination, and the arts from St. Andrews University, and is currently a research associate in theology and literature at King's College London. She is the author of multiple books, including the upcoming You Are a Tree and Other Metaphors to Nourish Life, Thought, and Prayer. She lives in the United Kingdom and can almost always be found with a cup of tea in her hands and a book in her bag. And she also happens to be my sister-in-law. Joy, <laughs> welcome to the show. It's wonderful to be here. It is a pleasure to have you. And we have an absolutely wonderful letter that we're going to be exploring today. But first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our thorn. So something that left us feeling dry or depleted or frustrated that week. And finishing off with our rose, something that fostered our inner world, brought us joy, or built us up. And I said this in the last episode, but I will mention it again. The purpose of recounting my roses and thorns, as well as our guests' roses and thorns, is not just for you to get to know your hosts a little bit better. It's also meant to serve as an inspiration for you, too, to be thinking through your own roses and thorns. So... As we walk through our um, Roses and Thorns this week, I encourage you to reflect on your own and to take stock of the various disappointments and the various joys that filled your week. So without further ado, Joy, what was your thorn this week? Um, This is going to sound uh, like I've been very uh, influenced by British culture. My thorn is the weather. So (laughs) I I live in Scotland and... And um, we had kind of like a little patch of warm weather last week, but this week it has just been, it's wavered between being like deeply, bitterly cold where it gets into your bones. And even like where, even when it's not raining, all of the the sidewalk is like very pretty, but it glistens with ice. So literally any, it's so cold that it just ice, everything ices over and you slip and slide everywhere you go. So it's wavered between that and then being like, vindictively rainy where it like it actually broke my umbrella last week like it turned it inside out and broke the metal um no (laughs) and that's a thorn or a disappointment because it just makes leaving my house seem like something that is a bridge too far and it's just like a little thing and I think also you know in the UK I, I don't have a car and so if you're going to go anywhere you are going to be exposed to the elements. So I think I think the weather has got me down. I'm I I I want to stay inside and cook soup, and not face um, the vindictive rain. I I completely understand your uh, your thorn this week, and it's actually really funny to think of rain being vindictive because it does feel that way. It feels Sometimes. personal. Yes, when it just continues to fall, 
and just mm-hmm. will not let up. So I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> and what about <laughs> your rose this week? What, what's your rose? So my rose this week is um, that I got to go see a live performance of outlaw country style music, which I did not know was a genre until like last week. But um, one of one of the PhD students near the university where we live um, used to be a traveling um, musician with this outlaw country band, which is like, I think, okay, nobody like come for me if if I'm getting this wrong and you happen to be an expert in outlaw country. But it's like Willie Nelson style country music. So it's it's not the like polished Nashville stuff. It's like the stories and the kind of folk music. Mm. And so anyway, so this this guy's former bandmate was in town and he played a whole bunch of shows and he played one at this little village that's like away from where I live. So it's kind of fun to like get out. Um, and the pub had like the most amazing food and the music was amazing, and it was a little bit of a reminded me of home. Not that my home is was particularly southern; we did spend some time in south, <laughs> but it just felt familiar and American. And the food is amazing, and there's just nothing like live music. So that was, I think, probably the highlight of my week was getting to kind of end a week of hard work on good music, good food, and good company. Wow, that is quite the rose. That that sounds like so much fun. And you're right; there is this sort of familiarity with that kind of music that um, no matter where you are or where where you've been raised, something about Mm -hmm. having been raised in the States, Mm -hmm. that kind of music just feels like home. Yes. Um, Was it, was it just a guy and a a guitar or did he have like a few instruments or other people? So it was, it was this guy that I know who's the PhD student. So he's now left the road uh, to do Mm -hmm. a PhD, but so it was him on guitar and he's really gifted guitar player, guitarist. Um, and then the guy who's still a touring musician, uh, who's also on an acoustic guitar. And then I think the guy's wife, who is a bassist. Um, so there was, it was a bass, uh, acoustic and electric, and there was lots of harmonizing. I think my favorite song was one called Time Off for Bad Behavior, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I just liked. I thought it was a fun pun. and um, Or I don't know if that's a pun, but like it was, it was just good. And um, I just love the tight harmonies. Also, it's particularly fitting to be a little nerdy because I think that kind of music is like Appalachian-ish. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Appalachian Americans came from like Scotland and Ireland. So it's kind of oh. fitting in a funny way to have that style of music in Scotland, I think. Oh, that's incredible. That's that's really cool. Well, that is quite a rose. I, I, I'm probably going to go and play some of that music myself after... Yeah. Um, not not buying like I won't play the instruments. I will just play someone <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not that talented, everyone. Um, well, as for my thorn, I actually have a really similar thorn to you, Joy, and <laughs> that is that here in Los Angeles, it rained for a good three or four days. Absolutely no breaks. Very vindictive. Yeah. Um, and you know, for the first day, it felt a little bit like maybe I was um, in a in a novel like Jane Eyre. And so I wasn't that upset. It's kind of fun to have such gloomy weather um, when we, we get a lot of sun. And so I was, I was happy for a little while. And then it just, I, I got so tired of it by probably the second day, you know, mid afternoon or like towards the evening, because as you mentioned, Joy, it just felt like, okay, leaving my house is just going to be a bridge too far yeah. I'm the type of person that I love to go to cafes or just get out for just some, a little, just something. 
and it felt impossible. And I, so I felt very cooped up by the second or third day and all the streets were flooded. So even, even with the car, it's just not safe out there or it wasn't. And so that, that was my thorn this week is we had a very non LA weather week, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but all my sympathies, what? <laughs> all my sympathies. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> you, you get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> but as for my rose, when this episode comes out, uh, we will have just passed Valentine's day. And so, um, Valentine's Day has not happened yet when I'm recording this, but we have a lot of fun plans. We're going to um, get a little hotel room in Hollywood just to stay in a different area and just have some, you know, feel like we're getting out when we're really just about a 20 minute drive away. But it feels like you're in a totally different world, which is fun. And um, we have plans to go to a little hole-in-the-wall Mexican food place, which if you're ever in L.A., that is some of the best food that you can possibly mm. find. Is if, if it looks just like a strange little restaurant, that, that's going to have the best Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and then we have plans to go to an improv show, which will be a lot of fun. We both share a, a, a sense of humor and a, a love of humor, and so... Um, an improv show is right up our alley. And there's just something about, um, even if you stay in the exact same city, going and doing the things that you never really do in your normal mm. day-to-day, week-to-week lives. And so you just feel like you got a real getaway. Mm. So that sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. All right. So just a couple of things before we move on to our letter for today. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving a review. It really helps to boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it. And we would love to encourage you to send your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. Okay, so let's move on to our letter for today, which covers the subject of cultivating healthier self-talk. Mm-hmm. Dear Wallflower, negative self-talk has been one of my biggest motiva- motivators as a teenager. It propelled me into success in nearly whatever I did. But as a mother to three, I am in a season of life where that sort of tension doesn't drive me, but drains me. I've seen the error of my ways, but don't quite know how to change my self-talk without feeling absolutely cringe. I imagine Evan Almighty in the mirror. I am powerful. I am successful. I am handsome. I am, I am happy. As a Christian, I struggle with understanding affirming myself in a way that glorifies God and doesn't tap into the trends of manifestation or yogi type of self-love. Signed, The Unwise Oak. So, I love this letter. I I connect with it in many ways. I'm really glad that she brings us up Um, because negative self-talk, there there are two languages that I'm fluent in. English is one of them and negative self-talk is the (laughs) other. And it can feel so like such a strong force and it can feel deadening. And yet we continue to do it. Mm. And so you know, I, I too am someone who I have the desire to grow and pay attention to my weaknesses in a way that makes me better. But then I also have this need, of course, to treat myself kindly. And sometimes my negative self-talk has actually really gotten me off track, similarly to our, um, our writer today. So what are your thoughts on the, the problems and the issues that she brings up, Joy? Mm. So I have two kinds of, um, 
two slightly different thoughts to it. Um, the first thing I will say is I also relate to that. Um, I think I motivate my. I think I've been very successful at motivating myself. Sometimes with negative self talk. Sometimes just with anxiety. Like I, I, I can make myself do so much if I go. Oh my gosh, I need to get that done. They're going to be so mad at me if I don't do it. You know what I mean? Um, and but the thing is, is that it. And I think the reader is pointing this out. It's ultimately quite a ineffectual um, way of motivating yourself because it can only it can only work so much. Um, I think eventually your energy starts to go towards the negativity and the anxiety. So it goes towards going, oh, I'm such an idiot or, oh, I'm, you know, that's where your energy is going towards evaluating yourself and and evaluating yourself negatively or towards kind of the anxiety around the things that you're using to, to motivate yourself, which then means you actually have less energy to devote to the things that you love and care about because you have all of this energy devoted to kind of nursing this anxiety or this negative self-talk. At least that's how it's been for me. Um, but I think she's also quite apt to point out that it can't, it is useful, like it is effectual to a certain degree. Like you can actually get pretty far by negative, like by talking about yourself negatively to yourself. Um, and I think there's three things. Okay. I said two, it's actually three things. I'm just nine. <laughs> One is, I think you shouldn't do negative self-talk, not just because it makes you tired or it's not effectual. You should not do negative self-talk because it's wrong. Like, it's it's incorrect. And you may be like, no, no, but I am flawed. I do do all these things. I know that I'm bad. The reason it's not is that negative self-talk, to me, has like, at least for me, in my experience, personally, there's always kind of a little bit of an element of pride in my own negative self-talk because mm-hmm. I'm the one who knows what my best looks like. And so nobody else can tell me that I'm doing a good enough job because I know I'm not doing good enough. And so does that make sense? Like I'm kind of in a position where I get to decide if I'm if I'm going to beat myself up today or not. And so no matter what anyone else says to me or encourages me, no matter what I read in scripture that tells me I'm loved, no matter what I do, I'm like, no, but I get to decide that mm-hmm. I'm worthy or not. And so that's one thing is we shouldn't do negative self-talk partially just because it's not true. We are we don't actually get to decide if we're lovable or not. We already are lovable. God has said it. That's done. The people in our lives have said it. That's done. So, you know. Um the second thing I think that's helped me is to not um is to almost just kind of like not worry. I know this is unhelpful, but to be kind of neutral. Like you don't have to talk yourself up. You can also just kind of try mm. not to think, try not to evaluate yourself so much. Do you know what I mean? Focus more on just doing things and having relationships and if you and not needing to give yourself a negative or a positive evaluation that I think has also helped me. Like just think I'm just a person who does things. Yeah. I don't have to come to a conclusion about if I'm a good or a bad person or if I'm doing a good or a bad job and just kind of cutting off that. I think it's really kind of a rumination. It's like going over things again and again and, and speaking to yourself just kind of, and, and a big part for me, that's often just, distracting myself. So when I, when I start to talk negatively to myself, sometimes the healthiest thing I can do 
is not to go stand in the mirror and say, I'm powerful, I'm successful, I'm handsome, I'm happy. <laughs> it's to like go out to coffee with a friend. It's just to divert myself, to be like, no, we're not going to get sucked into that that whirlpool today. Yeah. Um, or it's to go do something constructive sometimes. So even just like making a nice meal, like diverting yourself from the negative self-talk into doing something that reminds you that you you can do stuff and and you're okay, you're, you're fine. Um, so actions that take your your attention from your interior self yes, and put it into your exterior world. I think that's a, a really great thought. And I think another thing that I like about what you said about trying, almost trying to have a neutral um, posture towards yourself is because when you are either thinking to yourself, these negative self-talk thoughts of I'm, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough, or I am happy, I'm successful, I'm wonderful. Either way, you are performing to be graded. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You are you are constantly grading yourself versus just taking the grading totally out outside of it, uh, away from yourself. I'm not performing anymore for myself to grade to be graded mm-hmm. by myself. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, and I think that goes back to that sense of I'm not grading myself. I don't need to always be sitting around thinking, "Have I like am I am I doing well enough or not?" Um, so I feel like those are both kind of intangible things a little bit, but I'm going to say a third thing and then I'll be done rambling. And then I want to know what you think. Um, and this, I'm going to, um, be a typical author and take it something from my, my book that I just wrote. Um, so one of the things I talk about in my book, you are a tree is how often we use kind of like machine language to describe ourselves. So we'll say, you know, um, I need to recharge this weekend mm-hmm. or I'm really trying to crank out this work um, or I need to update my friend, right? So recharge like a computer, crank out like you're a machine or like an assembly line, update like you, like you have kind of a, um, you know, a, a cloud that, you're, that your friend is your cloud and you're letting them know what's happening in your life. Or another one that I think is really hard is process, right? I'm going, I'm going to process these hard emotions and that kind of, um, that idea that like you have something happen, you process it and then you're done. And the thing about all of these metaphors is that they're all kind of appropriate to a certain degree, right? And they're also effective to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Like we do need something like recharging. And um, when we're really productive, it does feel like we're a machine that's cranking stuff out and that feels good. And um, And sometimes there is something like uh, processing that happens. The reason it falls apart, though, is that um, human beings really aren't like machines. Um, if you're deeply burned out and exhausted, then just having a weekend where you recharge won't actually work. You won't feel better totally at the end of the weekend because you're not a computer that can just plug into the wall and behave the same way as it does every day. Mm-hmm. And um, if you think of yourself as a machine that can crank things out, then when you have a week or a month where you're just not as productive, you'll go straight into that negative self-talk and go, why am I suddenly unproductive? Am I lazy? What's wrong with me? Um, And if you talk about yourself as processing, when you have something difficult happen to you in your life and you find yourself revisiting it over and over again, you'll think that something's wrong with you, that you haven't done the processing. But the thing is, revisiting something difficult that's happened to us over and over again is often how we 
kind of get over things. We revisit them again and again until they become a little bit less and less painful. And that's just a part of how we work. And we're not capable of the same, of cranking things out every day, right? Humans are more like trees. We have seasons, seasons where we're super productive and seasons where most of the growth that's happening is just under under the surface, you know? In Scotland, I just don't want to be as active. So the reason I ramble about this is that that way of talking about yourself can motivate a certain kind of productivity. But also, if you treat a human person with a human body like a machine that's capable of the same things every day, that just needs to process and recharge and be done, that cranks things out, then that's a recipe for for burnout. And so in my book, what I play with is the idea of the imagery of people being trees. And that's because that's that's something we're given in scripture. It's one of the most common metaphors for people. You know, so Psalm 1 says, the righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of living water, mm-hmm. um, which bears its fruit in season, and whatever it does prospers and its leaf does not wither. Um, and I think that's a much more humane metaphor because it talks about seasons, right? That we're not the same amount of productive all the time. And that if you're not having a fruitful season right now because it's winter, your negative self-talk will not actually make you be in a different season, right? So so in some ways, I think using different metaphors can kind of help us get out of the habit of, ne- of negative self-talk because what we're doing is going, oh, I'm not the kind of creature that I am. It's not a machine. I'm more like a tree. Um, so it gives us a different image of what it looks like to flourish. But the other thing I like about it is that it just reminds us that we always are using metaphors about ourselves mm-hmm. and that we can actually play with using different ones, right? So, you know, this person says that they they feel kind of cringe thinking about Evan Almighty, um, <laughs> and which is fair. I I like, I can understand the idea of like affirmations or whatever. I find them incredibly cringe as well. Um <laughs> Just personally, not like in other people. Like if I were to to do affirmations, I would do it like secretly in, in the in the quietude of my own closet where no one could watch me doing it. Um, but I would just say play with play with different things, right? So metaphors are they're not the gospel, right? They are different ways of helping us understand things. Yeah. So try on different metaphors. Also, like I also don't think people need to worry too much about like uh, affirming themselves because they don't want to get to the manifest in a yogi, just use scripture. Like just read scripture and say what scripture says about you to yourself. And unless you think you know better than scripture, then you're probably fine. (laughs) Anyway, so that's my very rambly, I hope some of that was practical, but that's, (laughs) and that's based off of my own being a pretty, uh, I was actually thinking about recently that I I do often motivate myself by being like, ah, time is running out. Everyone's going to hate me if I don't do this. And I realized that that's actually not, a great way to motivate myself because it's exhausting. So I think that would be what I'd say. Try try to be neutral. Try not to think about it. Just don't evaluate yourself. Don't you don't have to be a judge. Mm-hmm. Um, God is your judge. Other people who love you are kind of your judge, but really they love you, so they're also not your judge. Try to be neutral. Um, you don't have to be the victim, the villain, or the hero. Um, and then be mindful of the metaphors you're using and try different ones on for size and see if Absolutely. they are more holistic or work better. Yeah. I, I think those are all really wonderful thoughts. And I, I, I agree with both you and our writer in that these kind of affirmations that she mentioned about, you know, I'm, I'm wonderful. I am successful. I'm happy. I'm handsome. 
Um, I think the reason they feel so cringy is because we make ourselves say them without actually trying to believe them first or having, mm. we, we don't really have any evidence yet to, mm. to back up the thing that we're trying to say, or at least we don't feel that we have evidence yet. Mm. Um, and so I think, I think that is probably where a lot of that cringe comes from. But then on the other side of it, you talked about how you will a lot of times motivate yourself with, well, everyone's going to hate me. I'm going to be a, you know, I, I'm going to be a loser. I'm not going to succeed in this. And then suddenly you feel all of that in your body and you yeah, all of the anxiety just waiting to pour out. And you're just a, a cup that is just overflowing with all this anxiety. And the littlest thing can just set you just off. Mm. And so I, I love the idea of using metaphors in your everyday life and figuring out the metaphors that might work for you. So I'm really curious because you talked about um, thinking about yourself as a tree, which I think is a really, really beautiful metaphor. And I, I think you're right. We see this all throughout scripture. And so I think it's a wonderful way for people to start kind of shifting their mind away from the more computer type um, mm-hmm metaphors where uh you know we're we're expected to behave exactly the same way every day if we if we get charged to a hundred percent that means we have this many hours to go and it's like not necessarily so what I'm curious about is you talked about having different kinds of metaphors that you will use and what I would like to know is are there other kinds of metaphors that you've used for yourself that you have felt help mm. you when you might be having a lot of negative self-talk or negative thoughts or feeling like you're not doing enough. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of other metaphors have helped you get back on your feet and feel like mm-hmm. you can move forward now? Mm. That's a great question. Um, so I think I'll just, I'll start by kind of re-saying the tree one in a different way. But um, I think a time when I really was struggling with the negative self-talk thing was when I was finishing my PhD. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they say it's very typical that in academia and probably in all jobs, there's like a sense of imposter syndrome. Um, and at a particular point in my PhD, I was just like, I'm an imposter. I actually, I'm I'm dumb. Everyone's going to realize I'm dumb. I'm going to fail. And I just spent a lot of time kind of marinating and those thoughts, um, and then I, because of that, I just pushed myself and pushed myself and pushed myself. And the more that I did that, the less productive that I was, which was really frustrating, right? Because the more, it's like what you're describing, when you're so anxious that you kind of tap you and you you spill. Um, and in while I was in that time, I had, I started not sleeping because I was so stressed. And um, so one night I was trying to um, make myself sleep, so I watched a documentary um, by Rich uh, Attenborough, David Attenborough, and he was talking about uh, palm forests. And so palm oil is used in like everything. And he was talking about how um, it's very, you know, uh, it's very productive and it makes people a lot of money. And I was like, oh, if, if only I could be that. Um, and that the, so because it's productive, it makes a lot of money that these farmers will cut down huge swaths of the jungle to just grow palm oil trees and because they're very productive and they make a lot of money this is going somewhere trust me um leave you (laughs) and um but then when they did that then 
the whole kind of surrounding environment started to kind of uh, die and they started losing animals and some of the plants started dying and they were like, what's happening? So some ecologists kind of went and started to study it and they found that basically what was happening was that the jungle is like this chaotic mess, right? Where there's all these different things, there's different layers. And as a part of that layer, there's like this kind of, I think it's like an orangutan that spends two years teaching its babies how to eat, like what's what's poisonous and what's not. Mm-hmm. And while it does that, it swings from, you know, from tree to tree and it eats and then it poops. And what they realized was that because they had um, scared away the orangutans, that actually the orangutans doing that was chaotically spreading the biodiversity because they would poop and then their seeds from their poop would would be planted a new kind of vegetation would come up and that vegetation would help the other animals and help the other, mm-hmm. um, that because they had made this extreme order of one kind of thing, everything being ordered towards production and making money, um, that order had destroyed the kind of integrated chaos that made the rainforest so fruitful. So how that helped me was I was like, oh, I'm trying to make myself a palm oil forest. I have stripped away everything in my life that is not writing the PhD and making money. And so, of course, I I've, I have cast out the orangutans. I have ripped up the forest bed. So the whole kind of like environment of my life is becoming less fruitful because I have removed the things that seemed pointless but were actually really nourishing. And so for some reason that metaphor really helped me because I realized, okay, if I want the environment of my life to flourish, then I I need to let those things that seem frivolous to me, Mm -hmm. like hanging out with friends or watching Gilmore Girls or um, really enjoying baking, those those things seem pointless, right? They seem like they're not contributing to me being productive or making money. Um, But actually, they're a really integral part of helping me holistically be fruitful and be productive. And so that was a metaphor. Then when I started thinking about myself more like a kind of environment or a garden that needs to be tended to, that it needs to have um, different things on different days, that it needs lots of different sources of nourishment, that really helped me kind of think about self-care and helped me realize that actually the kind of single-minded negative self-talk and total orientation towards productivity was actually making me less productive. And so I needed to kind of let back in some of those Mm -hmm. beautiful nourishing sources of chaos that actually brought life that I had been kind of pushing out of my, my life. So that, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's one of mine. That, that is so helpful. And I think just like total negative talk can Mm -hmm. drive away the orangutans, (laughs) Um, I think also that total positive talk, total, I'm happy, I'm good, I'm this and that. Yes. Can also drive away the orangutans because the reality is sometimes we are disappointed about something. We are a little bit sad about something and, and maybe our garden does need a little bit more of, um, does need a little bit more baking today or does need Mm -hmm. maybe just one more episode of Gilmore Girls today. Yes. And maybe I won't you know, continue working for another hour. I was going to push myself, but you know what? I've already done a few hours. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think that's a really wonderful point because what it highlights is that 
first of all, we're not totally predictable. There are some things that are predictable about humans. And there are a lot of things that are just not predictable about (laughs) us and what we might need and how we might react to something. And I think what it highlights is that we are incredibly intricate beings with Mm -hmm. intricate and complex inner worlds. And so, yeah. And I think, so I'll add something else to that. The reason the metaphor also helped me is because it's kind of a constructive metaphor, right? If you just Mm -hmm. say, if you just do negative self-talk, it's not super constructive because it just means, well, you have to work harder. But if you're giving yourself negative self-talk, it's probably because you're having a hard time doing the thing you want to do, right? And equally, like, if you just do positive self-talk, it's not actually helping you, like, strategize. Whereas if you use a metaphor, it helps you kind of, like, think about, okay, well, if I am a palm oil forest, then, like, what would a palm oil forest need to do to become more fruitful? Or, you know what I mean? So it creates that kind of, like, non-binary strategic way of thinking. And I want to give one other little metaphor that I think is also something that's helped me in, like, negative things. One of the other metaphors in the book I talk about is... um sadness is heaviness. So a lot of the language that we use to describe sadness is we say, I'm heavy hearted, or I have a burden. Um, Or if you say you're depressed, even that's like an image of being weighed down. Um, And equally, like a happy person is someone who's lighthearted, or they bring levity to situations, all of those, it's like the difference between weight and, and the reason I actually really like that metaphor is that, um, if I think about like my sadness or my disappointment as a burden, then I can actually like think about how to, how to carry my burden. I know that sounds funny, but it's like, it gives you a way to go, okay, well, if I am sad, I have this burden. Mm-hmm. Um, a burden you can pick up, you can put down, you can ask other people to help you carry it. Um, you can go through your burden and decide if there's some things you get let go of. So like, when I did some counseling a while ago, I remember the way that the counselor talked about it was like, you have this backpack that you're carrying through life and maybe it's just too heavy. And there's some things you need to take out. So a good counselor is someone who helps you kind of get rid of some of that weight. But so that was another kind of like metaphor that helped me think about mm-hmm. not just it helped me articulate how I felt, but also strategize about how to move forward. Cause I think that's, I think negative self-talk is often just something we kind of get stuck in and it doesn't actually help us move forward. So I think finding ways to think about ourselves and our experiences that help us strategize can be satisfying because it means we can put our experiences into words, but also helpful because it helps us think about how do I move forward and how do I strategize about my life? Yeah. And it all requires honesty about about maybe the the burdens that are very, very heavy that you have in your back. Yeah. And the various things that are, you know, maybe this is a very light thing. I don't need to take it out, but then maybe this is a very heavy thing and I need to stop and look at this and figure this out. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's an incredible uh, thought. And I I absolutely love that idea of um, assessing the heaviness of our burdens. And as we start to wrap this up, I, I would love to know, we've talked a lot about trees today and I have one more question for you. What kind of tree are you? That's such a good question. Hmm. I think, okay, I feel like when I'm going to describe this. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think this is going to sound so basic. Like <laughs> this is a very basic tree to pick. I think I'm an apple tree. Okay. Because 
apple trees, um, like if you can, in the right circumstances, they're pretty hardy. Like if you plant them well and you, um, they can last for years and years and years, but they're also a little bit finicky. So like you do kind of have to take care of them, but like they, they might just give out on you if you don't um, take care of them well. Also apple trees do this weird thing where sometimes they will have like a huge harvest that's too big for it and then it won't bear fruit for two years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, I feel like I've seen that pattern in my life where I like work really, really hard and I do too much stuff. And then I'm like so tired. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm an apple tree. I think I'm, I have colorful fruit. Um, I am productive I'm pretty hardy, but also kind of a little bit finicky and, and need some need some attention in particular ways. And I have a propensity to, I can be really productive, but can also make myself bear so much fruit that then I can't bear any fruit for two years. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, tree are you? You know what? I should have I should have thought about my answer before I asked you because <laughs> you're going to ask me. <laughs> um, I think if I had to pick a tree, I think I would probably pick a pine tree. Hmm. And I think, and I wish I knew more about pine trees, Mm -hmm. but but what I know about them is Mm -hmm. that they can withstand basically anything. They, Mm -hmm. They are there in the depths of winter outside standing tall, and I think I like to think of myself as someone that over the last few years, um, I, I've learned how to withstand much mm. and, and I can stand out in the winter and I, I've been through winters and I'm still here and now it's summer. And so I think I think that's I like so the- good. <laughs> so wait, can I, can I tell you my nerd fact about pine trees? Yeah, you probably know a lot more about them than I do. I don't. I, do, I, I don't know that much more. But I will say pine trees also have this cool thing where if there's a forest fire, their pine cones will wait until it's a certain temperature, and then they explode, and they plant seeds that will grow after the fire. So they have – they even – they're kind of like phoenixes. Like even if you burn down a pine tree, it will – persist by planting its own seeds while it's actively being burned to the ground, which I think is pretty cool. That is so cool. Now I'm definitely a pine tree. Yeah. (laughs) Superpowers. Yes. I think everyone listening should go ahead and and think about what kind of tree they are and and, uh, reflect on the various reasons that they connect deeply with Mm. this tree. Um, Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for speaking into this letter today, Joy, and and sharing all of your thoughts on self-talk and and the various metaphors that we can use in our lives. I I think I definitely feel very inspired to walk walk forward after this and and think about myself as a tree and all the other (laughs) metaphors. And I don't want to drive away the orangutans. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, okay. So before we move on to our May We Suggest um, segment, I I want to go ahead and ask, where can people find this book that you have mentioned a few times? You are a tree. Where can people find this book? They can find it pretty much anywhere books are sold. So today I saw that there's even already copies in Barnes & Noble, which is surprising because it's not even out yet. Um, Someone (laughs) tweeted it and I was like, oh my gosh. So anywhere books are sold, you can get You Are a Tree. 
um, and other metaphors to nourish life, thought, and prayer. And I will give the um, the tip that my publisher has the cheapest copies. So if you want to go straight to the source, you can get it for like 11 bucks and free shipping from Baker Book House. Wow. So, yeah. That is a deal. All right. Well, everyone go ahead and get your copy of You Are a Tree. I promise you will not regret it. So now we are going to pivot into the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Joy, what is your suggestion this week? So I'm wavering between like a deep literary suggestion, which is a novel I've been reading, but I think I'm actually going to go with um, the fact that I got my nails done. And um, they bring me, every time I look at them, they make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I just got like a very gentle, like almost nude pink. And I got them shaped into like a kind of almost pointy almond. And every time I look at my hands, I just feel kind of polished. And um, so it just adds a few extra happiness points every time I look at them. And so... I would recommend if you need a little bump in your happiness meter on your everyday life doing or getting your nails done. And I had a, I had a gift card too. So that, that did help. Oh, that helps. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sure some of you out there have a, a gift card or a discount code in your email that you can dig up for yep. a nail salon. So I think, or even Groupon, look for a nail salon. Yes. Groupon. And yes, I second that suggestion. There's something about an unlike almond oval-ish shape that mm-hmm. just makes you feel like just feminine. so beautiful yeah feminine yeah. put together so that's a wonderful suggestion well my suggestion this week is a book that I've been reading I haven't finished it yet but I feel pretty confident in suggesting that um that all of you are going to love it it's called the printed letter bookshop by Catherine Rie I hope that's how you say that name I'm not entirely sure but, um, but I'm really enjoying it so far. It takes place in a little town and um, it surrounds all the different people that are connected to this adorable bookshop. And so it follows the various stories of the women who work there and the younger woman who's, you know, kind of an outer ta- out of towner. She's a, you know, kind of a big city woman that's coming to the small town. So it has that nice little uh, storyline as well. But it's all about family and friendship and identity and um what, you know, what does our purpose really look like? And so it's a really lovely and heartening read so far that I just enjoy being in the world every time I pick it up, but it's also very thoughtful and deep. So if you're looking for something bookish and uh, fun, then I would go ahead and pick up a copy of the Prince Butter Bookshop. All right. So to wrap up this episode, before we go, Joy, how can listeners find and connect with you? Just see what you're up to. So probably the easiest way would be just to go to joyclarkson.com or to find me on Substack um, where I do kind of a weekly newsletter, but then I'm on Facebook and Instagram and um, the social media site formerly known as Twitter. Um, and my <laughs> handle is at um, join us the brave. So you can find me any of those places. And if you type in joy Clarkson, I'll probably come up on those, I think as well. Wonderful. I feel like I'm always going to call it Twitter. 
I don't think I'm I know. I know. <laughs> I know. X is so boring. <laughs> yeah, it's too in my bones, you know. I know. Well, if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal for articles about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you would like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter read will be kept totally anonymous. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.